0: As we celebrate Christmas, you may recall that Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem, a word that means house of bread, a bakery. More formally, it would be known as Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is kind of like giving the city and the county. Cincinnati, Hamilton, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Now Ephrathah means bountiful or fruitful. Because although it was small, that area of Israel was incredibly fertile and highly valued in their agrarian society for its ability to produce abundant harvests of grain. The prophet Micah described it this way, You, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah. And yet, although it was small, people had been working those fields for centuries before Jesus was ever born. Take Boaz. Boaz. Boaz was a successful business leader, a man who was able to produce that abundant harvest even in the midst of a famine. It was in those fields that he met a poor widow, a woman named Ruth, who was working on that harvest. The two of them fell in love, got married, and had a baby named Obed, who became the grandfather of one of history's most well-renowned kings, King David, born in Bethlehem. No wonder the prophet Micah also wrote of little Bethlehem, Out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings out are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor gives birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel." But this has to be about more than just David, because David's time had already come and gone when Micah was writing. Yet Micah was looking forward to the one, a king who would come from the house of bread, whose time was everlasting. You see, even though it was little, Bethlehem produced big things. Kings, business leaders, abundant harvests, life-giving bread. And just as the prophets predicted... Bethlehem also produced the Savior, the Messiah, the King, Jesus Christ, the Forgiver, and the bread of life. Jesus himself described it to some of his closest friends when he told them, My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst.
1: What if Christmas was God coming to satisfy and fulfill our greatest appetites, our longings and cravings for ultimate significance? What if that passage you just heard where Jesus is describing his mission and why he came to earth— Is his claim that he could satisfy your deepest longing and appetite for significance. See, Jesus says, Moses, who wrote the foundation of the Old Testament, he did not give you bread from heaven. But I am the bread come down from heaven. Is Jesus the real answer to that craving for significance that you and I have? Let's follow the breadcrumbs. And see if they ultimately lead us to Bethlehem. The first breadcrumb is, is the spiritual appetite in each one of us, that longing for meaning and purpose. Human beings want more than just to exist, don't we? We don't want to just go through life and not have our story be connected to a larger story. We want to know that we're connected to something bigger and grander than just living and existing. And God put that spiritual appetite, that longing for purpose and meaning in you as a breadcrumb to point you on a path that ultimately leads to him. Look what he said about Moses. He said, Moses gave you manna, but it was not the bread from heaven. Now, if you remember from the Old Testament, people were longing for freedom. And so God delivered them from the Egyptians. And as they're learning how to live in freedom, God provided this kind of dust that they could pick up every morning. And that dust could be ground and made into bread and dough. And it was interesting because in one sense it didn't last very long. It was temporary. If you tried to collect more than a day's worth of mildewed. It did provide sustenance. But it also became kind of bland. You know, another day of bland bread. And yet they called this thing manna. Which in Hebrew means, what is it? Kind of a weird name for something. What is it? What is this stuff that temporarily satisfies but doesn't last very long? Jesus says, the foundation of my Bible was written by Moses. And Moses brought the law and the Ten Commandments and all kinds of good stuff. But it isn't the stuff that will fully and finally satisfy. Ten Commandments, religion, the law, good stuff. But not what you were ultimately designed for. Not the true bread. In fact, the word manna, what is it? That's really the question in all of our hearts. What is it that's going to fully and finally satisfy the longings in your heart and mine for what really matters? C.S. Lewis says those spiritual appetites point us to a bigger world. Just as a little child is born with hunger and thirst, it points to the reality of water and food. Just as a little duck has this instinct to swim, it points to the reality that there's such a thing as water. He said, for human beings, if you find in yourself longings that nothing in this world can satisfy, perhaps you were made for another world. And if you don't believe me, just try and satisfy an eternal craving and appetite with little temporary tastes. You can have all the experiences, all the titles, all the bigger territories, That you can really wrap your arms around. And I'm telling you, your appetite for meaning and purpose is so much bigger than what this world can offer. That's what Jesus is saying. You're longing for something out of this world. You ever tried to satisfy an eternal craving with a temporary taste? Maybe it's your Christmas tradition. You're hoping to go home because Grandpa makes the best turkey and mashed potatoes and dinner rolls. And you're like, I can't wait till tomorrow. And so you show up to the house and you're so excited. You come in. I can't wait for dinner. What are we having for dinner, Grandpa? And he says, we're going to try something new this year. (laughs) New this year? Yeah, I I made a new recipe for kale-infused fruitcake. Now, technically, that's edible. <laughs> technically, it's food. But is that going to anyway any way satisfy that craving you had for a feast? No. Nor will even the best of the best of the best of your experiences in this world. It's like maybe you've ever gotten nostalgic. It's not fruitcake. Maybe it's fruit-striped gum. You ever long for fruit-striped gum? And, and you pull out a pack, and you pull out that first piece of fruit-striped gum, and you pop it in your mouth. Oh. Mm. Mmm. Hmm. Hmm. In like thirty-four seconds, all the flavor's gone, right? You can go through a whole pack in like a minute and a half. It just it's temporary. It doesn't fully and finally satisfy. That's what God says, the best this world can offer. Go shoot for the moon, and you're gonna find your soul is too deep because of that deep eternal craving. And God put that craving in you so it would woo you closer to him. One year, my wife found the recipe for Cinnabons. I didn't ask how. I just know the kitchen smelled delicious. And she gave me the recipe later with like how much butter and brown sugar and goodness was in there. I just knew I was drawn to the kitchen with the smell of the aroma of cinnamon God put this hunger in you for an eternal bread so you'd be drawn to grope for him, to find him, to look for him. But it's not just that spiritual craving. Our second bread crumb is Jesus says, I'm a very unique recipe. I'm a very unique recipe. You might say, well, bread is bread is bread. There's different shapes, different sizes, different stuff on top, but ultimately all bread's the same. And many people feel that way about religion. Religion. Yeah, different religious leaders, different religious and philosophies, but it's pretty much just different ways of finding your own path, different ways of finding God, different ways of finding enlightenment and being a good person. But Jesus says, I'm no ordinary bagel. Uh, The bread from heaven I'm bringing to you is very, very unique. In the same way that sourdough bread, which I love, is not pumpernickel whatever that nonsense is there's there's such uniqueness when you study different religions though they might look from the outside as similar they disagree on where you came from where you're going what the problem what the solution is and what happens when you die besides that they're pretty much the same and jesus says i want you to understand how unique my claim is moses did not bring you the true bread i am the living bread i'm the true bread i'm the bread that's come down from heaven Now, In that, he's making an unbelievable claim. The pantheistic Indian religions, Hinduism religions, the force from Star Wars says that God energy is an energy. It's in you, it's in me, it's already here. It's not out there. The transcendent religions like Muslim, Judaism, and Christianity, they say that God is transcendent. He is out there, and what you need is out there. But in contrast to the Muslim religion, where God is out there transcendent, but it's be blasphemous to him to come near. You can know God's will, but you can't know God personally. Jesus says, I am the bread that was out there, but I came near. I'm transcendent and imminent. And I'm different from Judaism as well. Because look what he says, I am the bread of life. Now that might strike you, the phrase I am. Because you might think it just... A common phrase, or maybe it's Popeye. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. But this is actually a phrase from the Old Testament that God gave Moses. I am Jehovah. I am, the name Yahweh. A Jewish rabbi would be careful even to write the name I am because it's so sacred, but never to claim it as his own. Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, says, I am the unique living bread. I am the bread of life. I am the bread come from heaven. I'm not sure there's a modern equivalent. Maybe me saying, I am king of the universe, and really believing it. Or maybe I'm singing, I am Henry VIII, I am, I am, and believing it. That's how radical this claim is. Just saying, I am not just one of many religions, one of many breads. I am the one true bread you've been created for. I remember I was in Sanibel several years ago. And someone said, while you're there, you've got to try. This one little shop has the most delicious cronuts. What? Cronuts. Well, tell me about that. They, they take the wonder of a croissant and they mix it with a donut. And they put cinnamon and brown sugar and they dip it in heaven and they hand it to you. Oh, and it was delicious. I found this place and I tried it. And I'm telling you, this cronut, not sourdough. This cronut, not French bread. This cronut, not pumpernickel. It was unique, and Jesus is saying, "What I am offering, the sweetness of what I am offering, how I died, what I fulfilled, what I accomplished, where I was born—I am a unique recipe of the true bread from heaven." You know, my wife and I celebrated 25 years of marriage last year. Lucky her, lucky her. <laughs> No, lucky me. Lucky me. And as we're traveling around in Maui for our anniversary, we, uh, we come along this sign. It's a big sign uh, on the side of the road. And it says, the best banana bread in Maui. What are the chances of all the roads we could get on? I love banana bread. We stop by and we're eating the best banana bread in Maui. It is pretty good. We get back in the car. We're driving along to explore a little bit. We go about a quarter mile and we see a sign that says, the best banana bread in Maui. We drive another quarter mile. The best banana bread in Maui. Another quarter mile. The best banana bread in Maui. Why? They can't all, but they can all be banana bread. They can all be pretty good, but they can't all be the best banana bread in Maui. And what Jesus is claiming here is like putting up a big sign in history that says, the best banana manana bread in history you remember that manna what is it that will satisfy jesus i have fulfilled unique claims and done unique things and fulfilled a, a a traffic jam of criteria to prove i am the true bread you've been longing for maybe you've never studied jesus his claims maybe this is the year you want to look into jesus is he really who he says he was In fact, we made a tool available this year. We have a brand new app we released as a church. You can go to your app store and type in horizon space CC. You can download that. And you can go look at 10 years of messages. We've been studying the life of Jesus verse by verse through the book of Luke. Just type in the word Luke. And you can actually study the claims of Jesus, the fulfillment of Jesus, what he did, how he said it, who he accomplished, the dates of his death and birth, and all those things lining up to predictions. Or maybe you want to search in our keyword search, Clash of the Titans, and look how Jesus contrasted himself from Zeus and Demeter and many others of his time. Or maybe you want to watch this service again. In fact, the video of this service and all of our services moving forward will be live on that app starting tomorrow and moving forward into the new year. Make this the year you begin to really wrestle with whether or not the bread from heaven really came to earth for you. But I asked you, would these breadcrumbs lead us to Bethlehem? Because to make it obvious, Jesus, God said he would allow the Messiah to be born in a very specific place. He would have a bakery birth. A bakery birth? Yeah. He'd have him be born into a little town of a thousand people. So of all the people who claimed to be from God, you could check. Did they have a lineage to David? And were they born in this little, 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 little town, which certainly eliminated so many people that would claim to be from God? In fact, the prophet Micah said it this way, Bethlehem is where you need to look. And in Bethlehem, you're going to find somebody who had roots that were everlasting. Look at that word, everlasting. Eternal, outside of this world, everlasting bread. Someone who existed all through time. And yet he would step into time and become a ruler, a leader, a person. And he would physically be born, something everlasting, born into a specific real place in history called Bethlehem. But more than that, God wanted to be obvious. Moses spoke of a temporary bread manna that would point to the permanent bread we longed for. And so God had the bread born in a place called bakery. In Hebrew, the word Bethlehem comes from two words. Bat, where we get the word Beth, meaning house of. And lechem which is where we get the word bread. The house of bread, what you and I might call a Bakery. He wanted so obvious that you could know who is the true bread that's been designed for your soul. He put the bread in the bakery for you at Christmas. And this isn't just some fanciful story of a, a galaxy far, far away. This is a real place in history that David lived and Jesus lived and Jesus proved himself in history. In fact, several years ago in 2012, they found what looks like a little Christmas cookie. It's actually a rock called the Bethlehem Bula that found evidence of David living there in Bethlehem an archaeological find proving yet again that the Bible is true in what it claims, that the bread of heaven came and was born in the city of David. So this Christmas, would you, would you respond to Christmas, not just learn about it? Both the Old Testament and New Testament, they invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good. See, bread is not something you just look at. It's something you eat. It's something you take into yourself. And when you take bread into yourself, it becomes part of you. It nourishes you. It supplies you. It becomes part of you. And Jesus says, when you take me into you, I become part of you. And you now have access to my strength and my patience and my forgiveness and my grace. And if you're lacking what you need to sustain what you need for life... Take me into you. Taste and see that I am good. This year we've had many people trying to taste and see that God is good for the first time. Some in dire circumstances, they found God to be the God of comfort during some just very emotional funerals we've had here this year. Another man's wife was a follower of Jesus, and she faced cancer with incredible courage and confidence. And after her death, he began to study her Bible and began to find something he never thought he'd find, meaning and purpose from jesus he became a follower of jesus and met other people here at our church because he began to discover that jesus is who he says he was many men have been in our men's study this year and they've learned how to apologize better to their wives for the first times so they've learned how to listen better than they've ever listened before because they've learned about a god who is tender and kind and patient taste and see that god is good let him transform you this christmas season and it begins with a simple prayer And maybe you want to begin that journey this morning, this Christmas, that you want to leave, not just learning about the bread, but taking spiritually that bread into yourself. You can do that by praying along with me. Just a few minutes. Something like this. Just say, God, I am sorry. I have replaced you with all kinds of temporary tastes. Good things I try to turn into God things. Forgive me. I invite you to come into my life, to be my bread of life, to sustain me, to fill me, to nourish me, and to change me. Father, I was made for love divine. And I'm finding it today in Bethlehem. Amen. Please stand and join me this Christmas season. As we revisit that silent night, that Noel, Christmas, the birth of the true bread from heaven came to dwell among us. Let us take a moment and hold our candles high as we take the light and peace of God. For he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread, that your kingdom be forever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas. We'll see you the first week of January, the 4th and 5th. Merry Christmas.